Well, dear church family, uh, we continue with our Bible study series in the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Romans. We're now on the fifth study. Last time we considered how God's uh, judgment is a only a righteous judgment, which is according to the truth. It's not according to the prejudices and uh, preferences of, of men. Uh, we thought that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't so much look upon the outside performance of religion, but he looks really upon the heart. That's, that's what matters to God. His divine justice upon sin cannot be appeased by the mere outward show of religion. He requires, as the text says, truth in the inward parts. That's really what matters to the Lord God. And we were reminded last time that God is not against sound judgment. We, as Christians, are commanded to keep sound judgment, but he is against hypocritical judgment, which lacks mercy and understanding. And as we know, many, of course, uh, who this, epistle, this particular text is uh, written to, many of the Jews, not all, but many of the Jews were guilty of being very harsh on the faults of others and less so upon themselves. And the Apostle Paul's not picking upon the Jews here. He's talking principally to all that will be self-righteous, who, who will look for righteousness within themselves, really. So it's, it's not picking on the Jews here. This is a principle, really, uh, to bear in mind. And despite all their privileges, all the means of grace that uh, the Jews were given, they, de- they developed a low estimation of God's goodness and God's patience and God's forbearance and long-suffering to poor needy sinners. And yes, we, we all would put our hands up and admit that Israel indeed is unique. They are a unique people. They are uh, a blessed uh, people. But they are only unique in so much as they have enjoyed God's privileges and God's means of grace to them. Nothing owing to themselves, really. And Deuteronomy 7, 7 proves this very point. And there's a many proof text, but I'll just read this one. The Lord did not set his love upon you, he's talking about Israel now, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. So he's saying, God did not set his love upon Israel, upon Jacob and the family and, and so on, because you were this great people, because you had this particular personality or he foresaw something within you that was great and mighty. There's none of that. He, he just had love upon you, grace upon you. It was a privilege and mercy of God. So the Apostle Paul really drives home how many in Israel became really, because of their privileges, because of all these means given to them, they became very hard-hearted. And in effect, they abused God's uh, privileges. They, abu- they abused many of these privileges which, they were, which were designed, in effect, to help them to be means. It's like being part of a church being part of a, a God-fearing family. Those are means of grace. 
And but someone can be like a brother said about the prodigal son. You can be at home like the latter, the older prodigal son. You can be at home and yet you don't, you don't want to be at home. You want to be off in the world. And sad to say that there were many in Israel that were not Israelites indeed. They did not want. Uh, come in. Ah. You go for it, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, no problem. And so, um, and so, the apostle Paul really drives home how many in Israel became, became, uh, they abused these privileges which they had, uh, and, and warned them if they they were warned that if they do not turn really from this condition. If they, do not, uh, if they do not turn from putting trust and confidence upon all their external privileges and, and blessings, as it were, to true heartfelt repentance and faith, God will not simply just pass over their sins, as it were. And in fact, they would receive the greater damnation uh, because much light had been given, many privileges had been given to them, and so more is expected. And like I said, the Apostle Paul is not picking upon the Jews here. He is a Jew. He's, a, he's speaking to his fellow people. He's, he's, this is the principle here is to applies to everyone. Everyone, if God has given us many means, you're, you're raised within a family uh, that uh, preaches the gospel, that lives the gospel, and, and in effect a, a church as well. If you're in, or you've given all these privileges and means, and yet you secretly in your heart, you don't want anything to do with it, uh, then, uh, of course, you're abusing this. You're in the same situation. And so a mere knowledge of the law and biblical truth will not prevent God's judgment. Only the doers are justified in the sight of God. You must fully do what the Lord requires, else you are not justified. And of course, these, all these things were designed by the Holy Spirit to make the self-righteous person or Jew literally uh, to give up any hope of saving themselves. That was the point. It was to drive them to despair. You don't look within yourself or to any of these privileges, any of these external rights. You must look to the promise, the, the spiritual promise, the, the everlasting covenant. Well, so we looked at a little bit about that last time. With that said, we'll be looking at the, the remaining verses of uh, chapter 2, verses 17 to the end, where the Apostle Paul really expands upon and he amplifies and he elaborates really what has already been taught in the first 16 verses. And he does so to ensure really that no one misses the point. <laughs> um, and this is exactly the reason why often Rod and I will constantly affirm and be repeating gospel truths. Uh, and, and, and it has to be done often. We have to often tell people that external privileges and rights do not equal salvation. Not exactly in those words. There are many ways to bring that forth. But we have to constantly, constantly tell people because such is the condition, such is the condition of, 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 of the heart that people need to constantly be reminded of this. 
um, that it is only through the Lord and through grace that one can be saved. Because there are millions of people with literally with that mindset that this could never be me. This could never happen to me. This is the, the mindset of millions of people who go to church, who partake in the Lord's Supper, that have been members of churches for years. This, this can never be me. I'm such a decent person. I've, I speak out against sin. I speak out against wokery. I, I, I speak out against the evils in the world. So this could never be me. This could never happen to me. And that was literally the, the mindset of the, the kind of the boasting Jew or the self-righteous person. This, is, can, this could never happen to me. I live such a clean life. I've got the superior doctrine. I've got the superior knowledge, ever learning, as, as it were. I can never be deceived. That was really the mindset of the, the Jews at the time of the Apostle Paul. And hence why Paul confronts the self-congratulating mindset Look at verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew. I'm a descendant of Judah. I'm part of the covenant people of God. I'm the people of Israel. I'm part of the true ancient church, as it were. We're custodians of the law. And, uh, and we're proud of the fact that they were in possession of the law. And the law mentioned in this first verse here is not just talking about the moral law. It's talking about the whole Mosaic system. It's talking about the, the priesthood. It's talking about the sacrifices. It's talking about everything here. I'm proud of the, the circumcision. I'm proud of all these things, all these privileges, all these outward external signs. I'm basing really my salvation upon these things, really. And these were real privileges, and these were real advantages. The priesthood, they were real advantages. In other words, my confidence and my assurance is in the law. It's in these external things and in the observing of these things. These things. And so, by way of application, this really is the true definition of a legalist is someone who is literally resting in the law for their they are, they are their confidence their trust and hope is in the law it's in external things they're putting their trust in that for salvation and also it can be true with sanctification as well i'm putting my rest in my duties and my service and so on that's the strict sense as it were of a legalist. And so I think we must, and I'll just, I mentioned this last time, but I think it's very important that we must, I must say this again, be very, very careful. I, I know we, you can say it in the right sense, uh, which, which we should do, but be very careful about name calling uh, uh, people legalists, because it may, it may very well be that it's more telling about one's own despising of people secretly or envy there of people who are truly are love the Lord, who are not resting in the law, who have been born again, who are, who are seeking to uh, live for the Lord, a chaste and a holy life, and seeking to help other people to do the same. 
And this, this, this calling people names is such a, is, is, it, it's, we must get out, out of that mindset and we must argue with substance through the scripture. Uh, and so be very careful. God does not look kindly upon those who name call good for evil. We must be very careful about that. And I, I speak to myself when I say that as well. Well, with that said, the legalist in the strict sense of the term was one who not only rested in the law, but they boasted that they knew God as a result thereof. Look at verse 18, where it says, And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. We, we know God. That, that was their attitude. We know God. We know of his will because all of our privileges, look at all the external privileges and rights. The, the, the Gentiles don't have these things. The, the heathen doesn't have these things. We are not in darkness. We're not in ignorance. We have the superior knowledge. Uh, we approve and agree with the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And so... Many professing Christians are like that, friends, aren't they? We, I, I have a, a knowledge of good and evil. I, I'm against this wokeism that's coming in like a flood, as it were. I see, I'm not an ingrate, I'm not a mug. I see what's going on in, in the institutions and the World Economic Forum and so on. I see this, these prevailing evils. And... It's important to be discerning in the, those things. It's important to have an understanding of these things. But that knowledge, is, is, that's not going to save you. Having a knowledge of good and evil will never save a, a person. It's what we do about the evil that's within our own hearts. That is really what the what Apostle Paul is calling self-righteous. He says, don't so much look at, at the world and all the, the evils... And people who are not Christians can, have, can, have, can know all about that. What God wants you to do is, is pull up the beam in your own eye, look at your own heart, watch your own heart, as it were, and the evils that exist there. And you will soon find that there's no hope within yourself. And you, you have to go to the, the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's, in effect, what he's saying. And I suppose that's why it says... In 1 Corinthians 1.26, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. God, God will have the glory, you see. Uh, if we come to God and we think, I've got the superior knowledge, God's going to use me because of these things, he will have the glory, he will have the praise. Uh, and, and so he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And so brethren, let us be on guard against false confidences. And they, they can, even in believers' lives, they can creep in into the Christian life. Don't look upon the outward things as much as the inward things, as it were. Keep a close examination, spiritual examination upon your own heart. Covet spiritual blessings in heavenly places, as it were. Don't worry about what other people think of you, but think about what the Lord God thinks of you. And again, it's sad to say that the, these real privileges 
which Israel had and these real advantages that the Jews were given by God, which distinguished them, which set them apart, as it were, from other nations. We know that from Romans 9, 4 and 5. Instead of producing a very humble and a grateful and a kind spirit, rather they became self-conceited. The superior knowledge, as it were, this, it developed a superior attitude. And we see this in verses 19 and 20. And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Well, the Apostle Paul here is not denying that Israel should have been all these things. You've, you've been given the privileges, you've been given the advantages, you've been given all this light, as it were. I sent my messengers, I sent my, my prophets, I've given you the law, I've done all these things, as it were. And yes, you should have been a guide, you should have been a light, you should have been an instructor, you should have been a teacher. You had the oracles of God. You, you were custodians of the oracles of God. You should have been, and these are, are all lights, by the way, aren't they? They're all positions of privilege and authority, a teacher, an instructor, as it were. They're positions of privilege. You should have been a guide and a light, as it were. And again, if I can draw a modern-day equivalent to this, it's like the West lecturing Russia and China, as it were, and other countries on morals when we are bombarding our children institutions about transgenderism and every evil under the world. Oh, stop doing this. Stop being so harsh on, on, the, on the homosexuals where they're pushing like a hundred different genders in schools and stuff. It's just rank hypocrisy. And it's the same sense as what the Apostle Paul is saying here. And perhaps on, even on a deeper level and bringing it a bit closer to home, Christianity in the, in the West is no better, friends. It really isn't, besides a remnant. It's become so deeply hypocritical. A guide, a light, an instructor, a teacher, not only speaks, as it were, this is the way. That's what it says. A light, a guide, a teacher, an instructor. It says, that's the way. Walk ye in it, as it were. And, and like a teacher would, he not only says, points to, to the direction, like, like a parent or in child, he takes a child's hand and he walks the child. There you go, son. You see that, son? That's the way. That's the way to, to the door. And the son is still a little one-year-old. He can't make it or a few months. I'm going to take you there. I'm going to help you there. And that's the same uh, principle. It, it, it shows as it were, like that little child. And so superior knowledge does not mean superior godliness. That's the point. They, they, you see, they had all this knowledge, ever learning, as it were, but never being able to come to the truth. We must give ourselves to sound doctrine. But you do, there is, there are those that think, I've read so many books, I've got all this knowledge, and yet... They think that the superior knowledge leads to superior godliness. It's, so, it's such a dangerous thing. And what it does is, is it, they think, 
Well, why, why isn't my ministry being blessed? Why, why, where's the fruits? Why aren't people listening to me? Well, it's because you're not depending upon the Lord here. It's the Lord that, that blesses. It's not one's knowledge. It's dependence upon the Lord to bless and the Lord's grace here. And so the superior knowledge does not lead to superior godliness. And that's the point of the apostle. You've got all these things, but you've abused them. Look, look, you've abused them. You haven't shown them. And so these are describing words. They describe positions of privilege. Well, what did Christ say concerning the Pharisees and the religious rulers of that day? Matthew 15, 14, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And of course, such looked upon themselves to be instructors and guides of others because they had a form of knowledge and of the, of the truth in the law. And the reality is they did, they did possess a superior knowledge than others, than the majority of other people. Yet they made an exhibition of it. They made a show of it, as, 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 as it were. They thought that their superior knowledge acquainted to, to superior godliness, as it were. And you know, there are many ministers that think that way. If you look at the qualifications of, a, of an elder very carefully, yes, uh, an elder must be someone who gives himself to the study of the word of God prayerfully and heartily, but that's just one out of a, a long list of qualifications of an elder. An elder's got to, there are how they raise their children. There's so many things, as it were. It's not just about what you know. It's about really if you're, if you're living that life, really. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is making the point here. Ecclesiastics 7, 6, 16 comes to mind. Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself over wise. And I know that phrase can be used in a derogatory uh, term, but there is some truth about that. Don't lift yourself up and think that you, that you're, you can never be deceived or you can never... Uh, be admonished, as it were, because you've got, you think you're, you've got the superior knowledge. Remember 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Well, the Apostle Paul confronts such hypocrisy head on, doesn't he, by really asking these pointed questions in verses 21 and 22, he really demolishes the, the self-congratulating self spirit. Well, verse 21 and 22 says, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Verse 22, Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? In other words, I've heard your profession, I've heard your boasting, but where's, but where's the practice? I've heard what you've had to say, I've heard the teaching, but what about the doing, as it were? You teach another, but what about teaching yourself? Are you practicing what you preach, as it were? And again, friends, nothing inflames God's wrath more than hypocrisy in this respect. 
You're preaching that others should not steal, but what about you? Have, have you stolen from God the glory due to his name, as it were, and trusting in these external rights and not in the promise that he made to, to Abraham concerning all the nations of the world, concerning the, the Savior? You, you're, you're stealing from God the glory due to his name. You're, you're lifting yourself up, as it were. And oh yes, you speak against sin, but and you 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 speak against loudly out against sin but when when are you going to apply it to your own heart when is your own heart going to be your your worst critic as it, as it were you speak out against adultery but do you engage in it in any way as it were not just in deed but in thought as well have you committed spiritual adultery have you gone a whoring away from your god when you come into god's house are you thinking about other things because you can do that. You, irreverence is a form of adultery. Uh, and this is, he's confronting them, he's getting them to think, uh, con, uh, confronting the conscience, as it were. Well, Christ said in Matthew 21, 31, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Well, what, a, what a, an astonishing text that is. That the publicans and the harlots are going to go into, into, into heaven more than the self-righteous, as it were. Why? Why, one, one asks. Well, because they understand that they have stolen from God the glory due to his name. That is, those who are repentant, of course. They understand they have stolen from God the glory due to his name. They understand they have committed spiritual adultery with their maker. They understand that they are hell-deserving sinners and their need the Lord Jesus as their saviour. Those people are more likely to be converted. You know, some, those who, are, who put their trust and rest in external rights and pri 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 privileges, they are some of the hardest people to get through to. You know, you go to a rich estate, an affluent estate, and you speak to people on that estate, and you go to a poor estate, I tell you what, you always will get the better response on the poor estate. Always. And I've, I've been doing this for over a decade now. And, and you, or that will always be the case. Because I know so much, you know, <laughs> you don't have to tell me about that. I, I, I'm a good man. I've got a good morals and, and all. It's so much harder to get through to those types of people. It's not that you can get through. Praise the Lord that he can get through to those people. But it is, it's, it is harder. Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Well, subsequent, of course, to the Jews' captivity, uh, they did abhor idols, didn't they? they? This is true. What the, the Apostle Paul is saying here is true. They no longer set up physical idols. They hated physical I, I, idols, as it were. They, they learned their lesson, didn't they, through the captivity. However, they still continued to commit idolatry through their secret hatred of spiritual and holy things. Remember that. They made the house of God a house of prayer, a house of dens, as it were. They really, you can be in God's house, you can be in a Christian family, you can have all the outward external blessings, but secretly you want to be somewhere else. And, and that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You, you're an Israelite, you have all the blessings of an Israelite, of, of a Jew, but many really wanted to be like the nations of the world. Look at their kings, look at their chariots, look at their pomp. I want, I want to be like that. Remember the days of, of Saul. 
They saw the nations, I want, a, I want a king like that. A king after our own heart, Saul, as it were. And so they were committing idolatry in their hearts, as it were. And there was a secret hatred of holy things and of spiritual things. They profaned God's house. They made it a, a den of thieves. In the days of Malachi, they robbed God's house of tithes of offerings. Oh, they, they, they told much. Oh, we give the things. But they robbed God, as it were. They were not truly giving their all to the, to the Lord God, or their time, or their substance. I'm not saying we should all chuck in our, <laughs> all, our, all our savings. I'm not some, some prosperity gospel here. I realize that even a, a mite of someone that, you know, that's worth far more than thousands of someone has got a whole lot. So I understand that. But the, 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 princ- the principle here is, is, true, is true. And it's, it's, it really very much is like on two sides here. I see two dangers in our circles. I'm going to bring it a bit closer to home. On one side, you've got hyper, the hyper-Calvinistic circle. circle. We've got this great, great, all these wonderful truths these, these profound truths, and it's wonderful, yet they never do anything about it. And they never go out, as it were, evangelize, never, never witness. And on the other side, you've got the new, the new evangelicals, the new Calvinists, as it were, with this hedonistic type of pleasure-seeking one, which is rank hypocrisy. They speak all the profound truths, they still speak of them, but they don't show it. At all, and both are deeply hypocritical. They talk the talk, but don't walk the the walk. And in verses 23 and 24, we see another striking instance of such inconsistency between what is said and what is done. 23 and 24 Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, Thou that makest thy boast of the law through the breaking for the, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God, for the name of God is blasphemed among Gentiles through you, as it is written. In other words, you make your boast of law keeping, you speak out against uh, sin and against evil, but you do so hypocritically. Your words do not follow your holy living. Unlike you, the heathen does not profess to be, to be the people of God. They don't make these grand professions, but you do. And you have no cause to be proud, but rather the opposite is, is the truth. That's what he's saying here. And yes, you, you are meant to be lights and guides and instructors to the Gentile world, but you're not. And because... They draw conclusions about the character of God through your conduct, as it were. And that's true of us. People will draw conclusions not only on what we say, but how we live our lives. And it's not just on one or two days of the week. It's every day. Every day of the, of the week. Your, your behavior, your, you boast of honoring God through what you say, but you dishonor God in how you, in how you do it. Your behavior and hypocrisy causes the name of God to, to be scorned and blasphemed. And it says, as it is written, as it is written. You look at uh, Isaiah, you look at Ezekiel 36, you look at so many passages of God where the, the name of God was blasphemed because of this hypocrisy, 
because they profane God's holy name. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, in effect, that your sin is worse than theirs because you've done so against the light. You've been given all these massive privileges, all these advantages. So, so yours is far worse. If you're outside of Christ, it's far, your condition is far worse. In essence, he is saying God has more cause to judge you and to punish you than others, as it were. And by a way of application, you get the impression from some believers that they think they, they have a better understanding of God's word than everyone else. They give this impression that uh, you must listen to me. I can never be deceived in anything, as it, as it were. I am always right. I can never be deceived. And the apostle says to such, don't, the apostle says to such, does your conduct, conduct match your orthodoxy? You say all these things, well, does, does, does the orthodoxy match your, your day-to-day life? And has it done so since you've professed to be a believer? Because unbelievers will draw their conclusions on God's character, as it were, by, by not just your words, but by your life, but by how you live your life, by, by not only what you say, but what you do. And I always say this about us as parents, and even grandparents, by, 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 the, by the way, is that children can, can spot hypocrisy from a mile off. They really can. And that is the best test, really, is a test at, at, at home. That's when you're tested the most, is when you're tested at, at home, when the day-to-day pressures uh, kick, kick in. And we fathers and, uh, and mothers and so on, we make, make mistakes. But did, can our children see that our love for the Lord is genuine and that we love for the Lord and he, is, he means more than anything in, in our lives? Can they see that, as it were? That do the, does our love for the Lord mean more than wife? and children, more than preferences? Do we, will we have the courage if, if someone in our family, even a loved one, as it were, do we take the side of them or take the side of God lovingly? Sometimes we have to confront that. When someone is trying to drive us in a certain direction, we say, well, like Job did, no. <laughs> you know, we've got to be willing to do that. I mean, there's some churches where you have people within a church and they... they they love guitars or they love drums and they want to bring that into the church or they want to make the church more liberal in a, in a, in a respect or more seeker-friendly or whatever it may be. And they put pressure on, on the husband or, or the other way around or, or whatever it may be. I'm not saying this is true of any of us, by the way, and I'm not pointing to anyone. But these things do happen and they put pressure and pressure and pressure on them and say, I'm going to break. I'm just going to, I'm going to, and then it starts to come in slowly but surely over time. Is the Lord first in your life, as it were? Well, I trust that he is with us here and that we are mindful of these, these things in our hearts and our lives. Well, many other Jews of Paul's day were very proud of the fact that they carried on their uh, flesh the outward permanent covenant sign of circumcision, the external sign, as it were, It is obvious that the Jews regarded circumcision as in some way securing of their salvation. And uh, in verses 25 through to the end, Paul really dismantles this type of of thinking. Uh, And so this sentiment, this regarding of circumcision, these external 
uh, signs, as it were, for, to secure salvation, this sentiment is not only implied in the New Testament, it is also confirmed by many of the leading rabbis as well. It's, it's, I was quite shocked to see, to read of, of all these rabbis, the leading rabbis, how they confirm this in, in their own writings. And I'll just mention a few, but there are many. You can look, at, look this up for yourselves. Rabbi, and I'm probably pronouncing this incorrect, but Rabbi Manashahim, in his commentary on the, book, the books of Moses, says, said, quote, Our rabbins have said that no circumcised man will see, see hell. So in other words, if you're an Israelite and you've been circumcised, you're not going to go to hell. Even if you reject Christ, you're, you're not going to go to, go to hell. Another one says in, 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 the, in the Jelkut Rabini in Numbers 1, it is taught circumcision says, says from hell. And like I said, there's a, a great list of, of this, you see. Circumcision was given in the first place as a seal of the national covenant between God and the Jews made with Abraham. It was a national covenant it, it promised it was almost being part of a church membership. You're, you're in the church. You're part of the church. You've got the, you're the membership. You've got all the privileges of, the ch- of church membership. But being a church member doesn't make you a Christian, does it? And it's the same with Israel. Being part of Israel doesn't make you an Israelite indeed. It doesn't make you a believer. If you take the promises of God, if you use the privileges that you've been given... And if you use them correctly, they will lead you to the promise of the everlasting covenant, the spiritual covenant in Christ. That's what the privileges are designed to do. The national covenant was given, it was not given independently from the spiritual everlasting covenant of grace. And like I said, those in church membership, as it were, of the national covenant, the Church of Israel, set apart for God who believed in the who believed in the everlasting covenant of grace, they were saved. Abraham and so on. Right throughout church history, they were all saved. They were part, they they had the seal, the external seal of circumcision in, in their body, but they received the most important seal, the most needful seal, and that of the righteousness which is of faith in Christ. That was the seal that saves, as it were. And it's like, it's like baptism, isn't it? You can be someone who is newly converted, not baptized, and you're looking forward to being baptized. You love the Lord, you're serving the Lord, you want to be baptized. And you can be someone who's been baptized for many years and not yet be, yet be a Christian. And you, you'd be boast, but you're not yet truly born again. It's the same same. Same thing. I'm not going to go into the particulars, but it's the same, it's the same uh, application. Verse 25 and 27 says, For circumcision verily profit, profit if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. Now this can be confused, a little bit confusing for those who are new 
uh, to the faith, and even those perhaps who have been walking with the Lord for a while. The Apostle Paul is not arguing that there, that, that there were not external privileges to circumcision. He's, not, he's saying there is. There are uh, privileges and blessings. Uh, you're part of the church membership. You're part of the, the, the nation of Israel with all the blessings and promises that go with it. And yes, you've got the outward sign, you're, you're set apart for God, but if you continue to break the law of God, what will the external signs of circumcision benefit you? And I'll go back to the prodigal son, like our brother said, the one that stayed at home. If you stay at home and you're dutiful and you're doing all these things and you're being very, living a very careful life, but you're doing so not out of love for the Lord, there's spite there. Oh, I wish I wasn't here as it were. You're doing it for the wrong reasons, as it were. And so he's making, he's making the argument that an outward sign is useless unless it, is, it be kept inwardly, as it were. And Paul turns the tables here really on the, the self-congratulating Jew or religious person. If someone who was not a Jew did not have privileges who did not have the privileges that they did, if they believed in the righteousness of the law, in other words, who fulfilled the law? Christ, didn't he? He fulfilled the law on our behalf. And if they realized, well, I, I, I can never keep the law. It's impossible for me to keep the law. And that will drive them to Christ, who kept the law on their behalf and was punished on their behalf and who satisfied the justice, the demands of the law on the cross for them, suffering for all their sins on the cross. He satisfied that justice on, on the cross and he gives us his perfect obedience and righteousness. And we, we trust in him with, with that. We believe it in him and it's accounted to him for righteousness. And so quite simply, to go even, even lower than that. I'm just trying to, <laughs> to give us many, many points here just to, uh, to, 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 to simplify it. What Paul is saying here is external religious privileges don't equal being justified and saved. So think about that. External privileges and rights do not equal salvation. Whatever blessings that we have and so many people think, because I attend a church, even a church that holds, upholds a solid affirmation, even a church that has got many godly people within it, all these things, uh, even though I, I live a clean life, I don't swear, I, and I warn people, all external privilege do not equal salvation. Only those who turn from themselves, from their own self-righteousness, what they think is right in life, from their own sin, from the, the, the opinions of this world, and they look to the only saviour of sinners, Christ. Look to him alone for righteousness, for sanctification, for everything in life. They will be converted soundly and firmly. And so in closing, in verse 28 and 29, this is what Paul emphasises concerning the proud Jew. And like I said, he's not picking on the Jew. He's talking about principally self-righteous religious people. 
Verse 28 and 29, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is, is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Of course, the word Jew here means praise. That's what Jew means, praise. True Jewishness is not about external praise and, and external signs, as it were. It's not about the, having other people in admiration and, and praise. In fact, if, you're a, if you've been a Christian, a true Christian for any length of time, you'll find that, that actually the opposite is true. Many people will gossip and slander you and, and all sorts. External privileges are, indeed are helpful. They act as a means as it were, but they can, they can only be helpful if they bring us to true repentance and faith and so that we see our need of grace in Christ. Men will often praise what they see, but this will receive no praise, of course, from, from the Lord God. For God looks upon that which man cannot see. God looks upon the heart, doesn't, doesn't he? God is not interested in an outward show of religion. He hates that. He wants your heart and he wants your mind and he wants all of it. That's the truth, isn't it? He wants your heart and your mind and your life and your soul and all of, all of it. And that's what he wants. And, so, and that really starts, the, the process of, of, of salvation starts when you begin as a sinner to Jesus and you say like that publicly, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm no, 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 no longer looking within myself anymore. The light of the gospel has shone into my heart, and I know that you're my only hope now. And I look to Christ. And so if your heart is right with God through Christ, everything else will take care of, it, of itself in life. And so the seed, of course, and the ground... If your heart is right, the seed in the ground will also be, be right. And so you, the, the fruits of faith will be manifest in your life. Amen. 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 Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk